All right, welcome in episode 112 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I'm Travis Chadon. With me, as always, today, Spencer Maddox. Uh, we're going to get going, starting talking NBA playoffs, um, talking NFL draft, and the Atlanta Braves struggling uh, through their first 15 or so games. But first, Coach's Corner, the number one sports bar in Savannah and our title sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast. Catch them at www.coaches.net. 3016 East Victory Drive or 912-352-2933 if you want to call ahead. Daily lunch specials, concerts every weekend, um, and the Coach's Corner Sports Network shows as well on Wednesday nights, Rubbin' and Grubbin' with Brandon Bain, Wednesday nights as well with Carl DeMossi and Saturday mornings. Um, and then you also have the Who Is On First Base baseball podcast with Carl and Kyle Lawson. So check out all of those shows there on the Coach's Corner Facebook page. When you go to Coach's Corner for the NFL draft this weekend for the Atlanta Hawks, hopefully maintaining their playoff status, uh, or for the Braves this summer, um, tell them the Hawk Ritz podcast sent you and they will hook it up for you. Coach's Corner, the number one sports bar in Savannah and our title sponsor here on the Hawk Ritz podcast. All right, let's get after it. 112th time, Hawk Ritz podcast. I mean, I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, cranking the heat or something. Yeah. Him right in the face. Punch a little baby right in. We'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll out. Come on, bounce. All right, Hot Grits Podcast. Uh, we're recording here on April 25th, Monday afternoon. Spencer, how you living? I'm living good, dude. I'm living in Elon Musk's world. You know what I mean? I'm I'm just living in it. It's his world now. He bought what did Twitter. He do? What did he do? He bought Twitter for a reported 40 some odd billion dollars. And uh, I was curious to hear your takes on it. Twitter is definitely your social media, um, you know, your social media of choice. Let's just say that. Um, so I'm interested to hear your Elon takes and where Twitter's headed. 2021 local Twitter account of the year, by the way, at Janon Sports. No big deal. Um, I didn't know this, dude. I did not know Elon Musk bought Twitter. Until, I knew there were rumors about it, but I didn't know he bought it. Um you broke that news to me before, just before we started recording. I guess my only concern yeah, would he, be that I'm anti-edit button, and Elon Musk has been notably pro-edit button, I think. Um, but a lot of people want an edit button for Twitter. Right now, you, there is no edit button. You either have to delete the tweet and start over, um, or else leave it up there with whatever mistake you made. But I kind of like that, dude. I kind of like that part of Twitter, that you can't edit. Twitter never forgets. I guess that's going to change at some point. It might change quicker now that Elon Musk is around. Well, uh, I, I think an edit button would be fine if it also included the original, you know, tweet. Like if there was a, like something showing what the original tweet was that it's edited and here's the original tweet. That's fine. Um, I probably wouldn't. I probably you wouldn't mean be like pro a different edit color font or something like to show like what's been changed. No, you could just. Yeah, you could just click this was edited and then click that to see the original version. You know what I mean? Um, so people couldn't go back 10 years and be like, I never said that. 
um, or they would have to delete the tweet still. So it would basically still be the same thing, but you could, you know, if you accidentally made a typo or something like that, you could go and edit that just so you don't come off as a total moron. Like if you missed a your versus your scenario or a there versus there, you can go back and make yourself look a little better. I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? But yeah. you can't, you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be able to go back and like edit something that you said that was horrible and make it to where you're not so horrible. You know what I mean? That, that wouldn't be good. Um, Elon's been notably like free speech, which is weird for a billionaire. You know what I mean? Like hardcore <laughs> yeah. pro free speech. And uh, I don't know what he's driving at or what's motivating him, but his quotes around it have been like something I'm behind. You know what I mean? Like he's like Twitter has become the new town square and uh, we should have an open and like you, you should be able to say roughly whatever you want. Um, that makes sense to me especially with so many government officials now on Twitter. And, you know, it's not just like me, you and our friends, it's everyone, Yeah, you know, like even people, people release like important breaking news on Twitter. So it has to be somewhat unfiltered, I guess. Um, we need at least know. one I, place I, like I, that. Like we need at least one place where we can go. Yeah. Where there is just going to be like completely unfiltered, opinions or and facts and everything it just needs to there needs to be like a marketplace like that for ideas and for truth for lies for all of that stuff like there needs to be just like a pure place where none of that gets blocked none of it gets like tailored to who you follow or how you follow it's just an open forum place that's what twitter was dude at one point right people don't believe that they don't remember the early days of twitter but i was there bro and it was an absolute wasteland it's soft nowadays compared to what it used to be Right. And it should be noted that people like Vladimir Putin have Twitter accounts and the leader of the Taliban have Twitter accounts. So it's not like it's completely censored, but um, it has played a role in like elections and stuff. So you would want to see it be completely free speech. You can say whatever you want. You can't censor this person for this ideal or that person for that ideal because that starts to get murky. You know, I mean, who's who's the judge of what's right and what's wrong? Um, so I think I'm, I think I'm pro Elon here, dude. I think I'm pro billionaire. Shockingly. I think I'm with you on this one. Um, murky, murky, uh, the Hawks playoff future. The series is three to one. (laughs) (laughs) The series is three to one in favor of Miami. Um, been a wild couple of games since we last recorded Spencer. Um, Hawks fell down 2-0 in the series fought back in game three with a historic comeback. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. It was a historic comeback in game three where they were down 15 points. At one point they were down 14 with nine minutes to play. Uh, the heat had a 96.9% win probability there in game three, the Hawks came back and won. And then they absolutely shit the bed in game four in the farm. Uh, Kevin Herter was brutal. Trey Young was brutal in their game four loss. Um, Kevin Knox outscored Trey Young in game four. Kevin Knox for the Hawks right. outscored Trey Young in game four. He had 12 points in four minutes. Trey Young had nine points. He's actually done that twice in this series. He's done that twice in this series, which has been brutal. Trey hasn't been good 
um, as a shooter and as a scorer. Um, I did want to point out game four. I was watching the game and I, I almost fired out a tweet, but I was so frustrated that I was just locked in on the game. Um, to me, it looked like the Hawks were playing better offense from a floor perspective. Like they were getting better shots than the Heat were. They were getting looks at the rim. They were getting open threes. Like all that, all that you want to see. And it's not like the Heat were just lighting it up. I mean, they, they played well, but it was a relatively low-scoring game through two, two and a half quarters. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, I like the up, shots man. the Hawks I mean, were getting. Up. They just weren't. They were up they by just eight could not quarter. make a shot, dude. They couldn't make a shot. It was brutal. Um, which that's not often what you see from this Hawks team. Like a lot of times they'll take ill-advised shots or like if the offense is sputtering, they'll, you know, t- turn the ball over a lot, which they had some turnovers in this game to be sure. But I don't think that was their downfall. I think their downfall was they couldn't make a damn open look, bro. Um, which there's a couple ways to look at it. If you're a Hawks fan, um, it's an outlier game. Maybe they just had a bad game or they choked. There's two ways to look at that. And uh, I tend to think it was an outlier game, but you can't ignore the possibility that they just kind of choked one away. Um, yeah, I don't think it's an outlier. We'll I think the series is 100% over. They had to win both games in Atlanta. They had to win both games in Atlanta. They play Tuesday night now in Miami. Um, I mean, they'll have to beat the Heat three times in a row. I don't really remember right. the last time the Hawks won three games in a row over – over quality teams like that. It's been a long time since that has happened. That's what you're asking of they them now. They didn't do it very often in the, in the season. And uh, that last stretch of the season where they got hot, they were playing a lot of bad teams. I will say for a number one seed, the Heat lost four games in a row at one like uh, more than uh, no, excuse me. They they lost four games in a row, which is extremely rare for a number one seed to do at any point in the season. Um, they also lost three games in a row on more than one occasion. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, obviously, they've got to win two in Miami, which seems like a really tall task. Um, so barring the well, unforeseen, I would agree. If you're with talking you, about how the Hawks the are going to win, like they're going to have to, like you have to get to Game Seven. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. like you, the next game, obviously this is going to sound so cliche, the next game, most important game, but if they can get back to Atlanta, you you would think the Hawks would be favored there in a home game, or at least it would be a yeah. reasonable shot at the Hawks winning game six at home. Uh, but I don't see them winning yeah. game five in Miami. I think it'll be a gentleman's sweep five games for the heat. I, dude, I think that coach McNate has been, severely outcoached in this series. And Spolster is one of the best oh, yeah. coaches in the league. That's not a crazy take, but to have that run in the second quarter of game four happen against you and you're basically sitting on your hands or having your arms crossed, refusing to call a timeout, you leave the gym with yeah. two timeouts in your pocket. I mean, that wasn't he, – he's been outcoached clearly, right? Yeah, but pretty plainly to, you know, to anybody who knows basketball, he's been outcoached. And – that was a worry of mine headed headed into the series. I thought that, honest to God, was Miami's biggest advantage was their tactical decision-making, like the coaching. Um, and it has proven to be true, bro. The defense from the Hawks just looks like they cannot adjust or, like, they don't throw different looks at them, dude. It's just, like, 
the same thing over and over and over again. And the rotations haven't really changed. Like you'd like to see more DeLon Wright. Am I crazy for saying that? Like just in general, playing with Trey Young as a secondary creator. Uh, I don't think we've gotten enough of that. Um, yeah, I, I think this has been an indictment on Nate McMillan personally. I mean, the, the Hawks players have not been good, but I don't think they've also been put in a position to succeed. Um, dude, Trey, all of that aside, the only way the Hawks were winning this series is if Trey Young was the best player on the floor, and he hasn't been. Um, and I thought that was an advantage the Hawks had coming in. I thought they had the best player in the series, and he hasn't been that guy. So I mean, no, that's what it feels and so what do you think? So let's assume, let's assume the Hawks lose this series. Um, it, it, are, is Travis Schlink, the GM, going to look at this series and say and, and take things from it? In other words, will this be the end of the Hawks team as we currently know it? I mean, they have movable pieces across the roster. Um, there have been like, you know, there, there have been rumors about Donovan Mitchell which would give the Hawks probably the best offensive backcourt in the league and also the worst defensive backcourt in the league. That would be further leaning into what they've already seemed to be leaning into. Um, I, I don't know. I, like, it seems like if they go out with a whimper here and make no mistake, if they lose in five games after going to the Eastern conference finals last year, it will be a whimper. It seems like something will have to change yeah. if they don't at least go seven with the heat. Well, I think this is Danilo's last year with the Hawks, if I had Thank to guess. God. Um, they can cut him. Yeah. They can cut him and get off of like roughly $15 million because uh, his last year, season isn't guaranteed. But also, that's a huge like trading chip salary wise. So there's, there's a give and a take there. And Danilo could probably still be a valued chip to somebody. You know what I mean? Um, so there's that. Uh, you'd like to see Capella get moved. Per me personally, I'd like to see Capella get moved um, for just like a different piece because the hole in the roster clearly to me is at the wing. Um, and you've got one of the best backup centers in the league in a Kongwu who's looking like he's ready for a starting role. He's looking like he's ready for 32, I 35 agree. minutes. Yeah, I agree. A Kongwu has been a nice bright spot in this series. I mean, he's yeah. been the opposite of yeah, Kevin I mean, Herter. Kevin Herter has been so fucking bad, dude. It is unbelievable. And like, you don't expect him to score 25 a night, but he should be able to, if yeah. you're a starting two guard in this league, you got to be able to have a 25-point performance at some point during a series, just once. I mean, it's, yeah. he's been really um, bad, I, dude. Really bad. He has He hasn't been good, but... Like he still has been steady apart from the last game. I, I thought the last game he was terrible. Um, the first three games, I thought he was okay. You know what I mean? Uh, game one aside, like the other two games, I thought he was pretty good. You know what I mean? And he's still like a reliable shooter, if nothing yeah, else. Agree to disagree, and, bro. Look, it, to me, it's been eye opening how exposed he's really. Been. I mean, he, he's not like he he's good enough to be the third or fourth best option on a team in the playoffs in my opinion but but he's playing minutes where you he's playing minutes and getting shots that have to go in and they like they're they're deserving the minutes and the shots that he's getting they're deserving of a number two player in this league and that's not what kevin herter is like he's not a number two yeah, guy on a, I mean, on I don't a world think title team 
No, I don't think shots. the Hawks view him. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Hawks view him that way either. But you got to think John Collins is extremely limited, and that's usually your number two option. Fair, um, at least with lob threats. You know what I mean? Corner threes, that type of thing. Even a few post ups. Um, he's obviously limited, and like credit to him for playing, dude. Um, is he does not look healthy at all. He doesn't look like John Collins at all, and he's still out there like gutting it out. Um, so I guess credit to him. I don't know if he's helping or hurting. I, I would lean towards helping just because for depth reasons. Um, but I think Kongwu has been great. I think if you move anybody, you move Capella. I think that's the least likely person to get moved, though. Honest, just from what the Hawks are thinking, I think they probably move on from Collins, Hunter, um, and one of, you know, Obviously, Danilo, but one of Bogdanovich or Herter, which I would hate to see. I think those two dudes, Bogdanovich and Herter, have been awesome this year for the most part. Um, Bogdanovich started really slowly, but he's been everything you want in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like game two or game, excuse me, game three, they do not win without Bogdanovich, period. And he showed his worth in that game. Yeah. Um, I don't know, dude. As a Hawks fan, it's tough. I Like you said, I think if they win game five, they've got a really legitimate chance to push it to game seven. So, like, Game 5 is going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, I think it's a big deal, like, in the future of the Hawks, in the immediate future for their franchise, too. Um, I wanted to – well, I want to move on from the Hawks, obviously, and talk a little bit more about the yeah. other NBA playoff series. But uh, notably, Jay Wright from Villanova announced his retirement uh, last week. He retired the right way, unlike Krzyzewski. So Coach J, greater sign Coach K, Jay Wright coached in his last <laughs> Final Four game. Hall of Fame coach uh, who went out without a parade, without a uh, a grand tour, um, without an announcement 14 months before he retired. No, he just announced that he had already coached his last game and retired. So congrats to Jay Wright. Spencer, what illegal activities would you commit in order to have Jay Wright be the next coach of the Atlanta Hawks? Um. So I said before on this podcast that I would commit some like white collar stuff to have Tom Brady as the Falcons quarterback. I think I would commit some blue collar crimes for sure. Some like simple assault and battery, you know what I mean? Like uh, maybe a little, maybe a little robbery, you know, like Ooh. at gunpoint, maybe, wow. maybe, 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 maybe. Hey, that's not an indictment. If, but if somebody offered that to me, wink, wink. If you're out there, I might do it. Um, I think he's the best coach on planet Earth, period, bar none. Like, I think he's better than anybody in the NBA. I think he's better than anybody in college. Um, and I I picked Villanova to go to the championship game based on his coaching, which was foolish. But <laughs> that was fun. I, 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 think, I think he's such a good coach and is, like, a, a brilliant basketball mind. Um, dude, winning two national titles at a school like Villanova is shocking, you know, over the course of a career. And to never leave is even more shocking when you look back at it. And he's certainly had opportunities to go to bigger programs and, you know, build his own thing. You go to the NBA and he hasn't done it yet. So what a what a great career and what a great coach. I, it's kind of hard to believe he's done at age 60, though, right? Yeah. It is done. That's why I was curious when he used the the term. And obviously, like when this was all planned out, like a guy like Jay Wright has people, PR people, agents, like 
every term and every word and every decision they make surrounding his quote unquote retirement was calculated and planned. So to use the word retire instead of resign or, or, you know, call it what it was quit. Basically he didn't get fired at Villanova. Uh, was interesting to me. I, I just wonder, like, what are the chances that he actually coaches an NBA team? Like, is he really done? It can't. He can't be like actually done having coached his last basketball game ever. The Prep Sports Report has been delivering local sports news one way or another for twenty plus years. Where can you find stories and information about the most outstanding student athletes in the Savannah area? PrepSportsReport.com. That's where. Led by our guy Carl Demasi and former area sports reporter Stephen Weeks, the Prep Sports Report is a reimagined website that wants to celebrate young men and women who are setting the high school sports standard in Savannah and surrounding areas. Go check out PrepSportsReport.com today. Go like Prep Sports Report on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at PrepSAV. PrepSportsReport.com, your number one source for local Savannah High School sports news. I wanted to also talk, Spencer, about the Celtics and Nets. My Celtics, bro, up 3-0 on the Nets heading into Monday night's game. uh, Game four, Brooklyn and Boston. Is Boston the best team in the Eastern Conference now? Easily, I would think. I I think so. I'd say a mix of... You know, I wouldn't mind if you put Milwaukee ahead of Boston, but I think Boston is clearly a step ahead of Milwaukee, personally. Um, they've, and definitely I mean, they've ahead of Miami, made, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would think clearly. I, I thought that going in, though, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I think they're a clear step above Miami, and on the same tier as Milwaukee, I would probably put them ahead of Milwaukee. And, I mean, who knows if they face off in a seven-game series against Milwaukee. But let me ask you this. Golden State seems to me to be the clear best team in the NBA right now. If you were to put up a team to beat them, I would think Boston's the better choice. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. If there was a team from the Eastern Conference that could beat a Golden State team that's just shooting the lights out and really having its way with a Denver team, almost swept them, I think Boston would be the best candidate. That's how I look at it. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. Milwaukee still scares me. Even without Chris yeah. Middleton, they they scare me. But, dude, I would like to retract my I, – I think I was not dogging Steph Curry, but I, I just was skeptical as to how healthy he was. I'd like to retract that and say never mind. I think he's healthy as shit and he's good as shit. And I think the Warriors are back. I would like to wait until like so. What's the word on Devin Booker? Is he going to come back for Phoenix? Um, I mean, who or is knows? He out dude. for good? He, who knows? They're going to do this thing where he's questionable, like every game, or like he could come back because they have no incentive incentive not to. Like, right. even if having to game plan for Devin Booker makes it the series a little bit harder for the opponent, um, and that's pretty standard. You know what I mean? So I don't think they're going to rule him out, even if he should be ruled out. And so if how, he can, go ahead. If he can play, he's going to play. You know what I mean. So they're going to leave it up in the air, and hopefully he can get healthy. Um, he's, I mean, as long as he's not going to hurt himself further, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think personally, just watching these teams, Golden State's been on another level, dude. Yeah. 
And I granted they are playing against Denver, but at least offensively, I don't know that I've seen anything like that since like pre Durant level level, you know, Warriors. Like I haven't seen them move the ball like that, like whip it around, multiple people who can put it on the floor. Uh they just put so much pressure on a defense and it they're so creative about it too. It it really is something that I haven't seen since before Durant got there. When they started to go more ISO, um, obviously you gotta get Kevin Durant his shots, but this team looks like what the they envisioned all along. And uh Jordan Poole is just unreal, dude. He had a bad game in game four, but he's like That's what stud. I was gonna say though. I think when they lost Steph Curry it kind of forced Draymond Green and the rest of the Warriors like core, including Andrew Wiggins. I would include him in the core. Uh, yeah. Like it forced them to come to terms with Jordan Poole as the leading scoring guard for at least stretches because without Steph Curry there, they, Draymond was forced to have to trust Jordan Poole the way that he definitely trusts Steph Curry. And I think Poole yeah. like showed them that he has enough to where he deserves that. And now they're just – now with Steph Curry back, it's like they haven't missed a beat. And, dude, the Chris Paul stands are going to have a field day. If Phoenix gets bounced in the second round, like I, they're, they're probably going to beat New Orleans. But if Phoenix yeah. gets bounced in the second round, uh, Chris Paul fans will just say that it's because they didn't have Devin Booker if they don't still don't have Devin Booker. Uh, but, dude, he had Chris Paul had four points against the Pellies. Yeah, I think that was in game tough, four. Man. That's brutal. Brutal, bro. That was tough. And who knows how healthy he is. You know what I mean? Uh, he yeah. dealt with some injury stuff this year as well. But, yeah, he didn't look good. Um, I'm interested to see – I'm more interested in the Eastern Conference playoffs personally than I am in the Western. I think Golden State's coming out of that nine times out of ten, dude. So, I mean, there's. I'd like to see Golden State play Phoenix because I think those are probably one and two teams me in the too. NBA. But, yeah, me too. Um, I, I do – I'm way more interested in what's going on in the Eastern Conference. I think – a, a matchup of Boston and Milwaukee and, and even like a matchup of Miami and Philly is going to be like really riveting or, or it could be, it has a potential to be, I think Golden State's going to walk through though. I really do, man. Just based on one round. You think walk through the West or walk through the playoffs? Yeah. Walk through the West, at least till the Western conference finals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, that next round matchup of them versus Memphis, everybody's going to pick Golden State. Everybody. And I would not be surprised if that's a quick series, like a sweep or a five-gamer. Assuming health, you know what I mean? What about Minnesota, bro? Minnesota's look good, dude! You're just assuming it's Memphis. Yeah. Minnesota's look good, but I mean, I I was just assuming because Memphis is the, you know, the higher seed and has a little bit more blue-chip talent. Um, I, I don't see the Timberwolves making it past the second round, though, bro. Uh, no, neither do I. Unless they keep getting protests, bro. These protests are crazy. <laughs> it's so oh nuts. They keep protesting at like almost every home game. So fill me in on that. What was what was going on there? I saw videos. Uh, first off, I saw it happen live, and I was like pointing to it, and I couldn't get anybody's attention that was around me. I was working during that, so I was like, "There's somebody on the floor. There's, there's, they're arresting somebody on the floor." And then I so saw the- a uh, I saw a tweet later on where like the security guard was just looking at her. And knew she was going to go. And the second she jumped, he was all over it, dude, which was wild. Um, They had, like, background checks on these people is what that tells me. But, uh, yeah, can you fill me in a little bit more on that? Uh, Yeah, dude. So the latest one was – so I guess the whole controversy is about 
chickens or poultry of some kind? <laughs> like the owner of the team like mistreating chickens? I don't know if I had that completely right. But but the latest one was a woman dressed as a referee tried to come on the court and had like her sidekick filming her. And, but she was like, she started out in the stands, like sort of right by the owner, like three rows back. And yeah. so she basically just got drug off the court immediately. Like didn't even, her plan was to go on to the court and throw out, like eject the owner of the T-Wolves in her referee's outfit. That was, that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> it did not work. It did not work at all. That's a pretty creative protest though, dude. Save the chickens, points. bro. Save the yeah. chickens. <laughs> Dude, it's if you're gonna say anything about PETA, at least they are strong in their convictions, bro. Like they are trying to save them damn chickens. And I respect that. Yo, the animal gonna, crowd does not play, bro. They do no, not they do not. Around. They do not. And I don't want them as an enemy. So, you know, I'm not taking a hard stance against PETA here. You gotta you gotta respect their convictions, dude. <laughs> I love that. All right, well, let's talk Braves and baseball but first john carr realtor john carr the number one realtor in the savannah area 912-228-0916 912-228-0916 find him online on facebook twitter and instagram um, find him in person at 7505 waters avenue that's seaport real estate john carr knows this area like the back of his hand he can help you buy real estate in this area he can help you sell it or he can help you learn more about the market, call him today and tell him we sent you 912-228-0916. Uh, Spencer, the Braves are pretty freaking bad. They're pretty freaking bad so far. They still have not won a baseball series this season. Uh, they just lost two of three to the lowly Miami Marlins. They're in third place in the National League East. Uh, through 17 games last year, they had the same exact record, 7-10. and 10. Um, they're struggling, bro. And, and really, for me, it starts and ends with Adam Duvall and Eddie Rosario. Those two guys have been so bad, and you're just waiting sort of for them to revert back to the mean, at least revert right. back to their average. Um, so those are some negatives, some positives. Kyle Wright threw a gym on Friday night, maybe Saturday night. Um, so he looks good in his early season going. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball so far through three starts. So there's a positive there as well. Another positive, Ronnie Acuna um, hitting like 370 in five rehab games in Jacksonville. It looks like he'll be back for the Mets series um, a week from today. So a week Let's from Monday. Let's go, baby. Season where starts do you want to start? Where, where, do you, where do you want to start though? Positives, negatives? What do you want to do? Let's start with the positives. Ronnie's coming back. That shuffles everybody down in the lineup like you said last week. Um the record isn't great, but it's not – it doesn't feel as bad as it could. You know what I mean? It feels like they could be much worse, in a much worse place, especially with how Max started the year. Um, you know, starting pitching wasn't awesome. So I I, I do want to start there. Let's go to the negatives real quick. Rosario in particular. Duvall's not great either. Rosario has been probably the worst hitter in baseball, would you say? Like everyday hitter? Probably one of the worst everyday players in baseball, yeah. Yeah, he's been brutal, dude. And you don't even really need him to be like a high-contact guy. Just hit it over the fence every now and then, you know? Give some kind of, like, threat of a power bat there. Duvall as well. Like, I'm fine with them hitting under 250 or even 200 as long as they're consistently hitting home runs. 
and they're not getting power either. So that's pretty brutal. And you need that power low, like down in the lineup. Sack flies, you know, in the occasional home run. They're not getting any of that, dude. So that's been brutal. Yeah, and to your point, dude, Eddie Rosario uh, hitting a robust .068, His yeah. OPS is .091. That's, That's awful, dude. Dude, that is like extremely, extremely hard to do. Yeah, and he was – you remember before the season, my hot take was that the Braves were going to hit the most home runs in MLB history. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? He was at the crux of that because I thought this guy could hit 40 home runs in like the seven spot on this lineup, maybe the six spot. And, you know, maybe you have Duvall hit 30, you know, in the seven spot, fifth spot, whatever. Um, and then you just pencil in the other guys for their standard amount of home runs. He has not been anything close to that. And I'm re- just about ready to retire that take, dude, unless they go on an absolute tear in the next week or so. I'm about ready to retire that take. Damn, so you're going to retire that one pretty early. Well, I mean, we'll see how it goes through April, but these to to hit that pace, dude, they're going to have to hit so many home runs, you know, if they don't if they don't start now. Um, they're going to have to hit so many home runs June, July, you know, those months. It just starts to become mathematically improbable, but I'm close to retiring it. I'm not retiring it yet. I'm close though. <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um Adam Duvall, 0.186. So he's hitting 186, 250 on base, 254 for him. So 186, 250, 254 slash line for Adam Duvall. Um, Brutal. Brutal from him. Dude, having Jorge Soler show up for three games and hit pretty well against the Braves, having that against the backdrop of Eddie Rosario being so bad and Adam Duvall being so bad – uh, yeah. Along with Jock Peterson, who's playing like pretty well in San Francisco, it's almost like the Braves had like four options. They chose Rosario. They chose the worst of the four so far, at least. And hey, yeah. it's still early. It's still it's early. Still it's still early. Hey, it's April. It's still early, dude. A lot of time left. Oh, dude, just gobs of baseball left. Tons. So of much left. baseball left. But still, it's like they made the wrong choice. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, well, let's go back. I wanted to go back to Freddie Freeman, bro. To hold the, on, time out, time out. Before we get to before we get to Freddie, because that is a longer conversation. Jorge hasn't been great to start the year either, though. No, no, like, no. He, he had hasn't good, been. He hasn't. Yeah, been. He's, he had a good series against the Braves, but he hasn't been great. So, I mean, none of those guys really have been like, you know, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, they got the worst of a bad bunch so far. But I, I, you know, I digress. Let's get to Freddie. What did you think of him crying in that pregame interview with Kelly Krul, uh, and then just mushing the Braves all weekend long? What do you think it. of that, dude? Hate it. Corny, corny as shit. I, I, I thought I it was become, corny as shit, man. Yeah, and the Braves fans just ate it up, dude. Braves media they just loved ate it. it up. They loved it. Yeah, I I hated it, dude. And uh, I would have been fine with them not even doing an interview. You know, like I'm cool with that. If if the Braves don't interview this guy at all, I would have been fine with that. But Whatever, dude. You know what? I mean, it sells, you know, it gets eyeballs, whatever. I get it. But I wouldn't have done it. It really changes the way I feel about the his first at-bat in Atlanta when he comes later this summer to Atlanta with the Dodgers. Like I said, boo him the first at-bat and then cheer him every other at-bat. 
Now I'm thinking cheer him the first at bat and then boo him every other at bat for the rest of his career. That's what I'm thinking now. Yeah. So like a quick like nod to everything he's done. Thanks for the World Series. Now you villain. I'm I'm with that. Yeah, I'm and with it'd that. be different if they had Freddie Freeman on their side, like, hey dude, three games set. Let's have you sit out Saturday. Let's have you go 0 for 3 on Friday and 0 for 3 on Sunday. And then we'll give you a standing ovation every time you come to Atlanta. But if he's going to yeah. mush the Braves when they play them, then to hell with them, dude. Take your tears yeah. to the left coast and, and be done with it, bro. But I am like that, – that grossed me out. Yeah, I was weirded out by that. And he seems like – dude, doesn't he seem like a politician? Like I always thought of Freddie as like an oh shucks guy, like not all that like manipulative or smart. Dude, he not comes calculated. off – yeah, he comes off real manipulative and real smart after all this. And his wife seems to be at the head of it. Maybe I'm putting, you know, maybe I'm putting my tin foil hat on here. I'm tin foil hot grits over here. I like I'm, that. I'm not with I'm not with the Freddie Freeman stuff, dude. I'm not with it. No, neither am I, dude. And I was so surprised that the Braves like were you surprised that Braves fans loved it? I thought like I didn't see pretty much anyone say, Oh, Freddie Freeman's like being manipulative or like Freddie Freeman crying, trying to get us back. Like they ate it up. Yeah, I was shocked. No, I thought the Braves fans would see through it. They, they did, they did eat it up. And, but that, to be fair, that is like general population Braves fans. Those are Braves fans that go to like one or two games a year. They share stuff on social media. We'll see how, but we'll see how uh, Truist reacts to Freddie. We'll see. Yeah. I'm ready now to- I'm curious about that. Now yeah. I'm definitely curious about that. What you? Did because- you see? Go ahead. Me and you had that same reaction independently. Like, we didn't even talk about it. So, surely there's going to be some more Braves fans like me and you that are like, no, screw this guy, especially in the Atlanta area code. We'll see, man. Well, let us know if you agree with us or if you are still a Freddie Freeman stan. You know how to find us online at Podcast Grits on Twitter, The Hot Grits on Instagram. Um, Spencer, did you see that the Yankees fans went classic Yankees fans? Um last week against the Cleveland Guardians. So the Yankees yeah. walked off and then their fans from the outfield, from right field, started throwing actual garbage onto the field on t- like, and then trying to like get Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw, the Guardians outfielders, like trying to get them to actually fight them. The videos have been electric out of that. But yeah. for me, that's how I like my Yankees fans. I don't want my oh, Yankees yeah, fans to be classy. They need to be pieces yeah. of shit because that's what they are. Yeah, and it brings a little juice to the sport, dude. It's April. We need that kind of headline. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'll, I'll say it like this: I'm glad that those people exist in sports. And when someone says, "Oh, there's no place for that in the game," you're boring, dude. You're boring. I like my Yankees <laughs> fans like that. You're boring as hell. That's now, my thing. look, if it would have been like St. Louis Cardinals fans, then I would have been weirded out. I would have been like, "This isn't right. This can't." possibly be happening st louis cardinals yeah. fans are like the nicest people on the planet probably besides toronto blue jays fans um, yeah <laughs> but the yankees fans are like like they made the celtics fans and Kyrie look like punks these guys were yeah. actually saying like punch me bro punch me hit me in the face bro. <laughs> miles straw climbed up on the outfield fence got in the yankees fans faces and was like hit me motherfucker hit me and they didn't yeah. do anything about it <laughs> No, I was I was with it, dude. Yankees fans and then Phillies fans, right there, neck and neck, dude. Total pieces of garbage, scumbags, and I love it. Shout out Mikey Anthony and the Phillies fans. 
Yeah. Mikey A and your younger brother, Deez, he's a, a noted Yankees fan, even though he's born and raised in Georgia. Makes no sense. All right, well, let's wrap up. Let's talk Falcons NFL draft. Um, before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Avalue Hemp Shop. Avalue Hemp Shop in Savannah at 106 West Gwinnett Street on Instagram at Avalue Savannah. Uh, check them out for Delta 8 CBD for gummies, um, smoke, eat, and drink products. Uh, they even have lotions. They have dog food. They have everything over there at Avalue. So check them out today at 106 West Gwinnett Street or on Instagram at Avaloo Savannah. That's A-V-A-L-O-O Savannah on Instagram. Check them out. Tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you. Savannah's number one hip shop right there near Forsyth Park on Gwinnett Street. Um, Spencer, the Falcons have the number eight overall pick in this week's NFL draft. Seems like the draft is not getting as much attention as it usually gets, probably because of the lack of of quarterbacks um, in this year's draft. But what do you think – for the Falcons at number eight, drafting number eight for a second year in a row, what are your thoughts heading into this week for them? Right. So you bring in a guy like Marcus Mariota to be a stopgap option. option. Um, that gives you the option to draft a quarterback and not play him immediately and just get run over and lose all confidence. You know what I mean? So you can do that at number eight at that point. Um, I don't know. I haven't like dove in too too hard on the prospects yet uh just because i'm focused in on hawks right now i'm a basketball guy first always will be um but i am going to do some more research uh especially like post draft so we can we can talk about the the falcons and what it all means you know what i mean yeah we'll Um, do more after they actually make their selections Um, yeah might have a bonus episode later this week uh, i I think predicting first round picks but yeah Predicting that the draft is one of the biggest crapshoots in, you know, sports media. It's just all conjecture. So I try not to do it too much. What I will say I would do if I were the Falcons is if you don't draft quarterback, draft wide receiver, get a playmaker, get a guy. And then that means next year you can draft quarterback. And every year year thereafter, draft quarterback until you get a guy. Um, but you don't want to bring a quarterback in his first year with no weapons, no offensive line, and a meh defense, and just say, okay, go win us four or five games. Like, I, I think that's a terrible thing to do to a young quarterback and just let him get beat up, you know. Oh, agreed. And I think at number eight, you definitely don't go quarterback for sure. Um, yeah. I'd be fine with receiver, I guess, but I think he can wait on receiver too. I mean, I think yeah. edge rusher, if one of the big edge rushers falls, you got to get him. Maybe if one of the tackles – um, I think that's two what I SEC tackles. So the offensive line has to improve also. Uh, at some point, you're going to have to get a running back. That'll be later in the draft. But I definitely think this is one of those drafts where, look, you have two second-round picks. You have two third-round picks. If you wait and don't take a quarterback at eight, you could possibly move back into the first round, late first round, and get a guy like Malik Willis with, your two, with, with maybe a second-round pick and a third-round pick to move back up. up. Um, right. I mean, those are possibilities – as well, but I definitely think take a quarterback in those first five picks, but don't take them at number eight overall. I mean, this is right. going to be one of those drafts for the Falcons too, where it's complimentary. You're going to have to base your your second pick off of what you do with the with the first pick, and so on and yeah. so forth. Whereas sometimes you're just you're trying to fill slots, um, and I don't think that's what the Falcons are doing. Well, I guess it would be easy to say best player available. Yeah, I will say this, dude. There's no one on that roster that scares you offensively. Um, 
and assuming you do take quarterback next year, you you got to assume they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. After getting rid of Matt Ryan, the the team was already like extremely suspect in a lot of spots. Uh, so you got to assume they're going to be much worse than they were last year. They're going to be missing Parlay Ridley the whole year. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see them take at least two stabs at a weapon on offense uh, just for whomever they bring in that next year. You know what I mean? Um, and then if you do that, you immediately become like, let's say they take a couple wide receivers and one or two of them pan out and they look a little bit better. Maybe they win six or seven games and the defense is playing well. They then become a free agent, you know, destination for a quarterback. If somebody wants to, you know, shake loose from their current deal. And then maybe you build that way. Um, I, I don't want to see them put out a terrible product where nobody on the offensive side is at least exciting to watch. So I'd like to see them go, if not the first pick they have, definitely the second pick, go offense and go skill player. Um, I'm probably in the minority there. You, you definitely have to shore up the offensive line if you're going to bring in a quarterback in the next year or two. So I think that would be a wise decision with number eight as well. But we'll see. I'm going to dive into some prospects, man. I'm, I, I do look forward to the draft. Do you? Because that's what I was going to ask. Like, I'm not. I'm going to like check in and see what who the Dolphins draft, and also check in obviously on the Falcons. But I'm not watching the draft. Like, I'm not sitting down and watching the draft. I'm going to see um, when the Dolphins and Falcons are coming up, and I'm going to tune in ten minutes before they pick. Well, it's only fun when your team sucks, dude. Like, this is the only fun you have football wise for the next. <laughs> Jaguars so. fans just love the draft. Yeah, like, so, so like, <laughs> like when your team sucks, like, of course you look forward to the draft. It gives you some kind of hope. Uh, when we were winning a billion games, no, I wasn't into it at all. Uh, same thing, the NBA, like, whenever the, whenever the Hawks were terrible, I was always locked in on the draft, especially that year we took Trey. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm into it. I'm still, I'm still a Mel Kuyper guy over Todd McShay. Oh. Todd, yeah. Todd, 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 Todd. He's he's definitely the pers- better personality. Uh, I feel like Todd McShay is probably better at his quote unquote job. You know what I mean? But I'd rather mm. hear Mel Piper talk all day long. Let's not forget Todd McShay missed the draft because of COVID a couple of years ago. You think Mel Kuyper is letting a, a worldwide pandemic stop him from the draft from Mel's <laughs> best available? Yeah, he'd do it remote. He'd do it in his PJs, dude. Dude, I love when they just flash along the bottom line during the whole draft, Mel's best available. And it's like even yeah. in the seventh round, he's got 25 guys he thinks can still make the roster. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this guy's a madman, dude. I would love it's, one day to hear from Mel Kuyper's wife. I want to know yeah. what it's like this time of year to be around Kuyper. I bet I bet he doesn't see his wife at all. And more to, more to your point uh, about how he would do it with COVID, I, if he had one of those like cartoonish thermostats and like a wool cap and he's in like a medical bed, you know, with like all the beep beep, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff behind him, he's still doing it, dude. They would put it on, they would put it on ESPN, the four letter network, and he'd still be up there. I promise you. You think they'll have a big, uh, like a big in memoriam for John Clayton? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be huge the entire time. That's got to be coming, right? Yeah. I'm, I would think like two or three spots they would talk about Clayton. You know? And then we'll have the classic uh, prospects who like they grew up homeless on the street or like there was a yeah. hole in their bedroom roof growing up or something or like 
I don't know. We'll just have so many feel good stories that are really feel bad stories. Yeah. Because now that he's drafted, it's like, Oh, his previous life was like, thank God it was terrible or else he wouldn't have gotten drafted. Yeah. He lived in a tent in the desert and his family moved around place to place. You know, that's coming. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Hey, how did they find you on Twitter? He grew up a nomad. He grew up a nomad. Find me on Twitter at Spencer Maddox underscore. Don't you dare forget that underscore. Trav, how do they find you? At Jadon Sports for me, at Podcast Grits for the show on Twitter. The Hot Grits on Instagram. Catch us on Facebook as well. HotGritsPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Um, Until episode 113, stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Peace. Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282. Commercial and residential electrical services that you can trust. Braddy Electric is Savannah's number one electrical services for commercial and residentials since 1970. It's family owned and family operated. Reach them today at 912-233-1561 or 1104 East 35th Street. Braddy Electric, that's two D's, B-R-A-D-D-Y. Five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google reviews, and Savannah's number one electrical servicer since 1970. Call them today, 912-233-1561.